Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. 1 Peter is toward the back of your Bible. You're invited to get your Bibles out, or if you have a Bible app, or you can go to today's reading in the Bibles that are available in the back of the chairs. Actually, those are free for taking if you need one. And now, today's scripture reading, 1 Peter, have you found it yet? There's always the, uh, well, I lost the word. You can find the table of contents in the front of the book. <laughs> First Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, what? Uh oh. Can you bring that? Oh. Can you read from here? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's not in here. It's okay. It's not my fault. It's not in here. <laughs> Come back here. Let's try looking at. It is First Peter, aren't y'all lucky? Chapter four, eight through eleven. But this time, I'm actually reading what you're looking at. All right. Let's try this again. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one without one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gifts each of you have received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength of God who supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We're not about perfection here, right? We're about participation. So thank you, Sherry, for reading that scripture and being able to change direction so quickly. Do we have a youth word of the day? Okay. So I've been invited to work a word into the sermon, and if I cannot do it or I forget, Shannon gets a dollar. The youth also have these Sunday notes, and they're available to you as well in the back of the sanctuary. If you need some help in taking some notes or drawing some pictures to help you pay attention, there is no shame in that. These are available to you as well. So let's take a deep breath. Gracious and loving God. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in college, I majored, and this is going to be surprising to some of you, not in mathematics, but in journalism and mass, mass communication. And in my final semester of college, I found myself sitting at my desk in the student newspaper office, fielding phone calls and answering emails and generally offering my support to reporters who were responding to the terror that our nation experienced on what we now call 9-11. At the end of that day, when the stories were printed in an effort to remind the university community that we are connected across the country and around the world by love, faith, and hope, one of my reporters came to me and looked at me right in the face and said, Amy, why didn't you take one of these stories? Why didn't you write something today? I looked at him, exhausted and somewhat ashamed, and said, I just did not have the energy to engage. The choice to engage, to interact or not, comes from the inside out, from our own internal conversations based on our experience and our interest and our faith. And that's the premise of our current two-week worship series, which we are calling Inside Out, the cross-section of identity and purpose. It's also the premise of the entire letter of First Peter, as the authors invite the readers to connect who they are in Jesus to what they are called to do in the world, to teach them when and how to engage. The recipients of First Peter knew what it was to be on the outside looking in, in terms of their society. This message was most likely commissioned by the Apostle Peter and written by a co-worker, Silvanus. It was a circular letter, which means it wasn't written to any particular community of faith, but to be circulated among several communities of faith in Asia Minor, or what we know as Turkey. These new Jesus people were surrounded by Greek and Roman neighbors who had begun persecuting them for their faith. They were suffering. And Peter and Silvanus are seeking to encourage them, to teach them that faith in Jesus is about looking from and growing from the inside out. They do so by using three main themes. First, it's important for the people to understand that they are not now who they once were. In following Jesus, they have claimed their identity as the children of God in a new way. And the result is that they are both chosen by God and strangers in the world. The second theme centers on their present challenges as they are reminded that suffering at the hands of others is unjust. And nonviolent resistance is the way of Jesus. It's a witness to the work of Jesus in the world. The third theme focuses on the future and certain hope that the people have in finding peace in Jesus, regardless of circumstance. So we can see all of these themes represented in our short text for today, which Sherry read for us. I hope you still have your Bible apps open or your Bibles. I'm going to read that passage again. And I'm going to throw some things on the floor while I do it. Okay, 
I'm going to read the passage again. 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 11. Listen for the words that speak to you this morning. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift you have received. Whoever speaks must do so as speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Love covers a multitude of sin. That sounds like a shallow excuse for poor behavior, doesn't it? Where's the accountability? Well, at Morningstar, we've adopted a definition of love that was put forth by St. Thomas Aquinas. You've heard me say it before, but I really want you to learn this. Love is the choice to will the good of the other. This definition holds here as this letter goes on to describe what kind of atmosphere love in action creates for a group of people. One of hospitality, positivity, encouragement, service, and respect. So if we define sin as turning away from God by doing things our own way because we think we know better, we can see how quickly such a way of living could create major problems in a community. If we're all doing what we think is best for ourselves first without any regard for the greater good and certainly for those who are marginalized in our society, we end up with a society that looks like the one in which we live in the United States of America. But we're citizens first of the kingdom of God. And as followers of Jesus, we are to some degree now exiled in a foreign land. Our rules of governance are different. Love that wills the good of the other is our standard. Love that is patient and kind. Love that is not jealous or arrogant or rude. Love that does not insist on being right. Love that does not keep score of what went wrong. Love that is long-suffering. This love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13 is often used in weddings, but it is far from sentimental. It's a gritty kind of commitment to bear with each other and to do the hard work of making things right when relationships are hurt or broken. That's what it means for love to cover a multitude of sin. Not that we sweep things under the rug and we don't talk about them, but that we are to name what is wrong and do our part to seek the good, to seek reconciliation and healing. And it's only that kind of love that has the power to overtake the far reaches of the bleak side of humanity that we call sin. That love is only made possible in this life by the grace of God, of which we are stewards, caretakers. It's our responsibility to share God's love and grace in this world, day in and day out, without exception because that's the way that God loves us, and that's the way that God's grace works. 
Grace is the favor of God. It's a gift that we cannot earn by any means. We cannot earn it, and it's available to everyone. John Wesley described grace in three basic forms, prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. Prevenient means previous. In terms of grace, we're talking about the way that God surrounds us with grace before we even know what grace is. Prevenient grace beckons us toward God. Justifying is the word used to describe grace as we realize that only the power of God can make us right with God. It's those times when we recognize that we are saved by grace and grace alone. Justifying grace reconciles us with God. Sanctifying grace is God's continued work and as helping us to mature in our faith, to learn to actually follow Jesus as he lived and as he taught. Sanctifying grace grows us in our faith journey. Prevenient grace beckons. Justifying grace reconciles. Sanctifying grace grows. This is the manifold grace of God. The God who is love. And love covers a multitude of sin by creating in us a capacity to do better. To build lives and relationships and communities where the love of God is foundational and the grace of God is the rule of the day. And we have been equipped, beloved, to make such a possibility a reality by serving one another with the gifts that we have received. We're talking about spiritual gifts, and this list has been compiled from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. In these passages, the Apostle Paul describes the people of God as having the gifts of wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and service, prophecy, discernment, interpretation, encouragement, and generosity. No one has received all of these gifts, and not everyone has the same gifts, but everyone has received at least one gift. That's where the metaphor for the many parts but one body comes into play. We need each other to grow in the use of our gifts so that our communities flourish, which means we have to practice using the gifts. Specifically, we are to be mindful of the effect that our words and our actions have on others. Well, it's no secret that words matter in our tradition. Jesus is called the word of God made flesh, right? And we have in our hands in our phones or in books like this, what we call our Holy Bible, these ancient texts that have been determined to be inspired by God and to contain truths that are practical for the practice of our faith. And yes, this book is challenging. It's difficult to read sometimes, but it also very much contains words of love and wisdom and comfort and affirmation and these are the words that need to be coming out of our mouths. Love, wisdom, comfort, affirmation. That doesn't mean that we cannot engage in difficult conversations or say things that are challenging for others to hear. It means that how we speak must be geared toward building each other up and not tearing each other down. Every word we are to speak as if we are speaking the very words of God. But we know that words mean nothing, or at least very little, without action. 
So following Jesus to the point that we actually find ourselves turning the other cheek and loving our enemies requires not merely a love of God, but a resolve to go against the grain of our culture. It's not easy. We cannot do this by our own strength. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If we stay rooted and grounded in our faith, if we put in the work to allow God's sanctifying grace to change us, to shape us, to strengthen us, it takes practice. It takes training that is not unlike physical training. And that is what Stuart Davenport, our executive minister, means when he says that Morningstar is like a gym. His eyes just perked up. <laughs> That's what he means when he says Morningstar is like a gym. And we're here in the sanctuary and online together to sweat it out, to work so that we leave here just a little bit stronger. Now, some of you don't like it when he says that. And I'm not sure why. Maybe you think he's being irreverent, but it is not a bad analogy. In fact, it's a really good one. It's only by God's grace that we grow in our faith, but that growth requires our participation. That's why I ask you to open your Bibles or your Bible apps every week. I want you to know where to find the books and the passages. I want you to be able to make connections in the text. I want you to know main themes because you need to remember these truths out there. When you have to have challenging conversations or do or say something that is painful, I don't want you to have to scramble in those instances. I, I don't want you to lose your resolve so that you take the opportunity to engage rather than to withdraw, like I did those many years ago on September 11th. Now, truthfully, what I did on that day for my team was valuable enough, but I had been trained for more, and I was not up to the task. When you face similar situations, I want you to be able to trust yourself and to trust your training. But to be able to do that, we have to come to practice. We have to show up and be ready to work. We have to engage in our community. Now, many of you are already involved in a variety of ways, but you must be willing at times, as God calls you, to try something different. And some of you are interested, but you need more information. And some of you don't even know where to start, and it's overwhelming. Well, we have two really great tools to help you in this instant. The first looks like this. I call it a menu. <laughs> On one side, you have the way that we work in a community, the different aspects of our faith. If you don't have one yet, it's okay. We have one for you. We also have them available online. And on the back, you have more information about each of the categories and also contact information of people who can help you get and stay connected in a variety of ways. Again, we have that available online. We have it available throughout the building. And Denise will be in the back as you leave today so that you can pick one of those up as well. I encourage you to do that. We also have the Connect card, which Stuart has also mentioned this morning. It's available online as well. And that is a tool that you can use to tell us how you would like to serve or what information that you need, how you want to use your gifts to speak and serve in the ways that only you can. 
And that's no small thing, beloved, because every time you choose to engage with love, our community is better for it. As the manifold grace of God continues to shape us from the inside out. Amen? Amen. What was the word of the day? Mathematics. I found that it's easier to try to work it in earlier. I forget. As we move into a time of prayer, I invite the kids to take out the wooden crosses in your worship bags and to hold them as we remember that prayer connects us. Let's take a deep breath. Gracious and loving God, there is a part of us that wants to have a nice, easy, trouble-free existence. But we know this life is a training ground that draws us closer to you and shapes us day by day into the likeness of Christ. May we not be surprised at the fiery ordeals that we face, but stand ready to engage in our community with words of grace and service in your name so that all would know the power of your love. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>